Hey, tennis fans, and welcome to another edition of Matchpoint Canada, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. And thanks to Hotel X for this episode, the official hotel of Matchpoint Canada. This is our day one episode from the National Bank Open presented by Rogers and Main Draw Action set to begin right at the front end of this week. Mike, we've gotten through a busy qualifying weekend and uh, our, our tournament, our home tournament is here. And after three years of not being able to cover our home tournament in person, we're finally back. And it feels like we never left seeing familiar faces, Mm -hmm. getting to chat with the players up close, just feeling the tennis, which is the tagline field tennis this year at the National Bank Open in Toronto. And I couldn't think of a more descriptive way of sort of summing up what we're getting to do here for the sport that, that we absolutely love covering. Yeah, and it's uh, just been unbelievable, I think. I'm sure for you as a photographer, just perusing the grounds, getting all the shots of incredible players. And I tell people all the time who want to watch live tennis, like, what better opportunity, especially getting down on the weekend even, where, you know, around the corner from you, I see French Open champion Barbara Krejcikova hitting ground strokes. Or, oh, look, there's uh, Simona Halep working on her volleys. There's so many fantastic players. Venus and Serena Williams, Coco Goff on the courts today, Emma Raducanu, they're all out and about practicing uh honing their skills and get ramping up for for a huge tournament and for us it's it's like our super bowl right the the biggest tournament of the year in canada that's a good description of it and i love this opening weekend before the main draw starts because Mm -hmm. as you mentioned everywhere you look you're going to see one of these superstars practicing and getting ready. And I find as the weekend starts, the players are a little bit more loose. You know, they're getting used to being in the city and the conditions of the court, the balls, the humidity, which we've suddenly had here in Toronto and haven't had all summer long, go figure. Um, But they're a little bit more loose in terms of their reactions, their interactions with each other. And then on the second day of qualifying, you start seeing them hitting a little bit harder Mm -hmm. and getting a little bit more dialed in and a little less chit chat because they know what's starting to happen Uh, the next day so it's been fantastic and then on top of that all the qualifiers and for us being Canadian tennis journalists getting to see a lot of the young up-and-coming players like Vicky Miboko, Kayla Cross, Marina Stakusik who made it the furthest of the three actually in qualifying and getting a bit of a glimpse at that next wave of talent that our country has produced and is going to be producing in the coming years as they turn pro. Yeah, and, and I have to say before we get to our special guest for uh, the day one episode, Victoria Maboko playing on the grandstand in qualifying. She was electrifying the crowd, I must say. I, I caught the tail end of her match in the third set against Claire Liu. She lost at 6-4. She saved, I believe I counted on my hand, six, maybe seven match points, though. At one point, they had like a 20-minute game at 3-4, and the crowd was absolutely loving her. And I, I couldn't believe uh, the pace behind her ball her serve at just 15 years of age I, I was I was stunned with with her, her powerful brand of tennis and you think like how dangerous she can become in in just a couple of years that was not 15 year old pace on that ball that no. was fully grown developed tennis player pace that we were seeing there from her the serve was getting you know high 180s uh, mm-hmm. kilometers an hour anyways on the serve uh, when you think that Serena's hitting like maybe uh, low like two just over 200 on a on a good day. Um, pretty, pretty impressive. And the crowd was so into it. It didn't feel like a Saturday qualifying crowd. I mean, that grandstand was pretty packed, yep. chanting her name, supporting her. Um, she just gave off that, that vibe of, of you want to get behind a player like that. Who's competing so hard and not just out there like, ah, I'm going to have a go at it and see what happens. I mean, she was out there 
to win that match. And, uh, you know, I very impressive stuff from her. We're going to be seeing a lot from Vicky Maboko. And, and like Carl Hale, tournament director, told me the other day, he sees top 20 potential. Um, I, I don't want to go out on a limb and, and put too much pressure on this kid. But uh, for someone of Carl's, you know, magnitude and stature to say something like that, that obviously bodes pretty well, I would say. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, qualifying had a lot of great players. For me, the highlight player uh, was Marie Boscova. She was the top seed in qualifying, played two phenomenal matches, lo- dropped just two games her first. Then she beats Wimbledon semifinalist Tatiana Maria to earn a main draw spot. This is a player who's played terrific tennis in Toronto in the past. And, and Mike, you had a chance to uh, chat with Boscova, our guest, for our day one episode. Yeah, 2019, she went through qualifying as well. And then made it all the way to the semifinals where she pushed Serena Williams to three sets. And uh, so when I spoke with her today, I was like, hey, qualifying, no big deal, right? That's just setting the stage for a, a similar type of run. And uh, she's been having a great summer between the quarterfinals at Wimbledon, uh, winning a tournament in her native country of the Czech Republic in Prague recently as well. And so I, I look at, you know, you sometimes think, ah, qualifiers, that's going to give someone an easy match. Well, not in this case, because I think Marie Bozkova is going to be a real tough first, second round, any round opponent here in Toronto. Who knows if she can recapture that magic of a few years ago, but she's certainly ready to try. And uh, why don't you have a listen now to my chat today with Marie Bozkova. Happy to be joined right now by 2019 uh, NBO semifinalist Marie Bozkova. Marie, welcome back to Canada. Um, You've been having quite the summer on the tour with quarterfinals at Wimbledon, winning in Prague, and uh, now back here in Toronto, how how's it feel? Yeah, I mean, incredible year for me, definitely. Uh, just uh, a lot of uh, just special moments and memories for me these past weeks. And um, yeah, now I'm just super happy to be back here in Toronto. Just felt already so much support in my two qualifying matches. I don't think I've ever played with so much so much crowd support in quali. So I know I'm obviously playing on the center court yesterday and today on grandstand. That felt very special and just really happy to be back here. How does it feel for you when you know you have to go through a qualifying draw? Obviously, you're used to playing at a high level and and normally getting into main draw. Uh, Do you see it as an extra advantage to get those extra matches? Do you just focus on the positive? Or is it a bit of a pain that you have to go through that extra time out there? Oh, not at all. I wouldn't call it a pain. It's, uh, I think it's, it's, um, you know, just every match for me is great, you know, having uh, now played two two of matches here so you know I think it's it's an advantage you know to get feeling of the court and all the conditions and obviously flying from from Europe and and having those first matches here uh, I think it was uh, it was great for me and and I think you know always great to have as many matches as possible you know got to win so uh, already feeling you know great on these courts and and um, yeah just looking forward for what's next here. Plus, you know that you did this three years ago, going through the qualifying draw and then advancing so deep in the main draw all the way to the semifinals where you really pushed Serena Williams in that three-set match. What positive memories do you have from, from that tournament? What did it mean to you at the time? Yeah, I mean, already since the first practice when we got here, I was like reliving all those memories, all those moments, and, and right away I felt just really happy and just uh, like I am back in my place because, uh, you know, it was my first big result, big tournament, and uh, I played actually like three or four matches on the center court, so 
uh, that's something I haven't, you know, experienced before. And just being back here, I, yeah, just relived it from from the start when I got here and and just enjoying it really like 100% here. <laughs> Sounds like you're in a good place coming in. And uh, I wanted to talk about the, the mental health initiatives that the tournament is doing this year uh, called uh, Mental uh, Timeout. And I see you've got a couple of the cards here that have been written from fans to the players this year to sort of help with that. What is your thought on the importance of tournaments doing things like this? And, and how does it make you as the players feel? Yeah, it's definitely uh, one of the most important things, not just in tennis, but I think in life in general, you know, just having that mental support and being, you know, having people you can talk to and uh, also surrounding yourself with people, you know, that are that are positive, that, you know, bring positive impact to your life. And uh, I think that's something it's, uh, we have that we have to encourage and, and it makes me very proud that we are doing that at this tournament. What are some things you do personally throughout the year to sort of help with your own mental well-being as you're traveling so far away from home, family and friends, that sort of thing? What, what are some tricks that you use or, or things you rely on to uh, really get through the, the long tennis yeah. season? Well, first of all, just being in touch, you know, with my family and friends on a, on a daily, daily basis, actually. Uh, you know, that's, that's something uh, that's very important to me because obviously we spend so much time away. So uh, I always need that connection with you know with my home and um and um yeah i mean just uh i also like i i feel like you know like doing yoga and that kind of meditation also helps you know to keep your mind in the right place and um you know just being self-aware i would say so that's something i i think is very important as well well, we've seen you smiling a lot on the practice court so far here, so it looks like you're, you're feeling pretty good coming in. Uh, we'll finish up, if it's okay with you, with a couple of sort of rapid-fire questions where first thing that pops into okay. your mind, feel free to just go ahead and, All right. and say it here. So let's start with, uh, when you think of Canada, what do you think of? Happy people. <laughs> what is your favorite spot to land an ace? Do you like to go up the tee or out wide? Uh, tee. What is the, who is the most challenging player for you on the tour to face? Um, Serena Williams. Biggest thing that you miss from back home when you're on the road? Food. Anything in particular? Um, yes, svičkova. Um, it's a traditional dish and, and crepes that we make there. I will have to look that one up. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite slam? Uh, Wimbledon. Any doubles partner that you could play with? You mean like that I want to play with? Yeah. Or, um, Sarah Soribes. And are you one to try out new gear, new rackets? Are you a real like gearhead, you know, when it comes to tennis stuff? Or do you just play with the same racket all the time? A um, little bit of both. I can do like little changes. That's, I think that's good. Right on. Well, hey, thank you so much for taking the time. Good luck in the main draw. We look forward to uh, what you have this week. Uh, Marie Boskova, thanks for joining us. Thank you. There you have it, Mike's conversation with Marie Boskova, who just won her first career WTA singles title, as we mentioned in Prague just a couple weeks ago, and a huge uh, first-round match against Wimbledon champion Elena Rybakina in the first round. I feel like that's almost a coin flip, even though Rybakina, of course, playing great and is now a slam champion. Yeah, I mean, Boskova is just outside the top 40 right now, but I think we'd consider her, um, you know, better than that ranking would indicate. Wimbledon, if there had been points, would have given her a boost. But of course, nobody got the points in that tournament. And, you know, Rabakina, who you just mentioned, of, of course, would have 
benefited from them the most, you know, winning a slam and, and not having anything to show for it. I mean, the prize money is pretty good, but no ranking points to show for it. That's just one of many incredible opening round matches that we are going to see in Toronto. I mean, when I look at this draw, it is just stacked from top to bottom with mouth-watering Monday and Tuesday matches for tennis fans that can get here live. My goodness, you're going to be in for for such a treat. And um, I mean, whoever emerges as the winner of this tournament, Ben, is going to be like my hero for you know being the last <laughs> one standing and uh, and getting through such a, a tough. It's not going to be an easy uh, six matches to the title. That's for sure. No, particularly, I, th- I think this uh, round of 64 and round of 32, as you mentioned, uh, we should probably touch on a couple of the matches that we can see on Monday and um, a handful to circle. Barbara Krejcikova, I mentioned, former French Open champion. She's facing Karolina Pliskova in the first round. Talk about a heavyweight first round matchup of two outstanding talents who are probably both searching for form. Uh, Sophia Kennan against Sloane Stevens. That's a matchup of former slam winners as well. We already touched on Rybakina playing Boskova. A um, few others to circle. I mean, Serena Williams, she's in action for this Monday. She's playing uh, qualifier, Nuria Parizas-Diaz. But uh, I, I want to see, I think, a little more from Serena because we, we really just have the one singles match to draw on from Wimbledon, which she lost to uh, to Harmony Tan. Yeah, let's talk maybe for a moment about Serena and Venus Williams. Uh, the fact that both of them are going to be in action on Monday. Serena, second match, daytime. Yep. Venus, second match, nighttime. And what an absolute uh, coup for Carl Hale to be able to get both the Williams sisters at this event, considering how little they've played over the past year, almost non-existent, with Venus only coming back in singles last week in D.C., uh, having not played since last summer, last August in Chicago. And Serena, Wimbledon this year, Wimbledon the year before where she hurt the hamstring and had to bow out in the um, first set of that match, um, hasn't played a hardcore match since the Aussie Open in 2021. So I got to say, honestly, expectations are low for both. Uh, mm-hmm. Venus, especially uh, up against Jill Teichman, who is ranked uh, just on the verge of the top 20 right now in the WTA. That's going to be an incredibly difficult match considering how little she's played. But I think regardless, to focus on the positive of this, it's the last time we're going to see these two players in Toronto. Um, I would say there's like less than what, like a 5% chance that we'd see either of them in 2024. At that point, Venus would be 44 and Serena would be almost 43. Um, So this is it, Toronto tennis fans, Canadian tennis fans. You got to come out and catch it. Or if you're at home, not able to come, at least watch on TV. I've been trying to enjoy as much of their practice time as I can just to be in the presence of these two greats who have 30 singles Grand Slam titles between them, not to mention countless others in doubles and mixed doubles. Absolute legends of not just tennis, but sport in general. Mm -hmm. And so I hope the crowd gets behind them and gives them a nice send off, whether it's one round or several rounds. Um, Just enjoy whatever it is we're able to uh, to take in here. Yeah, as you said, this is surely the last opportunity. And you're talking about, to me, uh, has to be the greatest sister duo, uh, athletic duo of all time, I, I think. And uh, Maria Sacri, I, I sat in on her press conference briefly. She referenced Serena Williams as the greatest female athlete of all time, in her opinion. And I, I think at least for Serena, um, 
probably the draw you want in the first round, right? A, a qualifier who's a bit lower ranked. Uh, Williams will have an opportunity to there, there to, to maybe see if she can overpower her. Fitness is just going to be the challenge. She has, hasn't had that match play, just the one match in Wimbledon. And then Venus challenging lefty in Jill Teichman, second night match on center court. At least I, I did think Venus actually played pretty well at the City Open last week. She lost to Rebecca Marino, uh, our Canadian, in three sets, but she was strong and competitive. And for those who had a chance to see her practice, she's still striking the ball so, so well. It's, it's, it really, it's, it's honestly inspiring. I caught Serena's practice this morning at 9 a.m. before the grounds opened up, so I had some sort of you know, good vantage point to, to catch that up close. And I was just really um, taken by how focused she seemed, how purposeful uh, she seemed in her movements. There was no wasted movement. Uh, there were times where she just sort of stopped, not catching her breath or anything like that, but just stopped to sort of get that focus, put herself in that moment, and then back to business out there. There were no smiles, no smirks. It was all very, like I said, just, you know, methodical and purposeful as she's getting ready for for this match. I mean, a year and a half without a hardcore match. I was actually shocked when I went back and, and saw how long it had been from her semifinal loss to Naomi Osaka at the 2021 Aussie Open. Um, who knows what, what to expect here? A qualifier is already coming in with match play under their belt. That's true. You would hope, if you're a Serena fan, that uh, perhaps her opponent is a little bit uh, in awe of the magnitude of the moment and the situation. Maybe that can get Serena, you know, a few cheat points here and there, get her into the match. Serena's going to want to keep this one short. It's a daytime match. If the humidity keeps up here, you know, she's not used to those conditions either in recent months. So uh, I think a, a straight set victory is what Serena's going to be hoping for. Um, and she's got to come out, you know, flying out there. And um, I, I don't know about the movement. That's my one you know, mm -hmm. sort of real question mark with Serena is the movement doesn't seem from what we saw at Wimbledon um, and what I've seen in practice here as well. I, I don't see the footwork yet, but maybe she's saving it for when the matches start. Well, we, we can hope. And uh, we should talk about, of course, the, the first night match, Venus, the second one on center court. But uh, Layla Annie Fernandez uh, returning to Toronto. She's the top ranked Canadian here and she will open against qualifier Storm Sanders. And it's her first match play since that rough foot injury, of course, at the French Open, where uh, she lost in the quarterfinals to Martina Trevisan. And I know at the time we felt with the way she was playing, particularly at Roland Garros in that tournament, she has a chance at this final if she doesn't injure that foot. I still believe that. Absolutely. And I, I saw Trevor San on the practice courts today. And the first thing I thought of was, ah, what an opportunity there was there for <laughs> Leila Annie. And, yeah. you know, hopefully more to come, of course. I think she's handled herself real well since that U.S. Open finals. Yeah, some ups and downs, of course, but she's 19 years old. And overall, you know, did real well in Mexico once again. Mm -hmm. uh, French Open, as you mentioned, I think would have been in the semis against what would it have been? Coco, Coco Goff, Goff. That's if right. She yeah. had, if she had been healthy enough. Um, and you know, she's saying all the right things here that she's got the green light from doctors, that the foot is feeling good. She seems really upbeat in practice. And when I mentioned some players went from like taking it easier on the Saturday to, you know, dialed in on the Sunday in practice, uh, around the grounds, she was definitely one who exemplified that Saturday, lots of smiles, having a good time tonight. She was the last player on site. I left at 9 PM, uh, from the site in Toronto. Every other player had long since gone. There were nobody on any practice court. There was hardly anybody still on site. All the fans had been booted out. And Layla Annie was out there hidden as hard as she could against her sister, Bianca Jolie, and one of her hitting partners, 
And her dad, Jorge, was pushing them, was not just Leila Annie, but her sister, even the hitting partner. He was saying, come on, we want to get more. I haven't seen any shots more than five rallies here. Let's go. And on the next one, they hit 30 shots back and forth and they were going for it. And, you know, part of me kind of thought, wow, that's pretty intense for the night before you play, um, especially when you're coming back from a fractured foot. But I would imagine that signifies that the foot must be, you know, absolutely ready to rock. And uh, just trying to simulate some sort of match play scenarios there of playing at your best. Yeah, yeah. You you have to, I guess, put yourself in those situations of what if we do get into one of these tight, long three-set battles where we're pushing past the two-hour mark and, and so can can we handle it? Can the foot handle it? And so that's obviously a fantastic sign. If she's practicing hard with the sister uh, just a day before, uh, she'll hit the courts against Storm Sanders' center court. Igus Bianca. Yeah, oh, so sorry, Ben. I, I should say just one last thing on Leila Annie is uh, she is playing in the doubles. Originally wasn't going mm. to. I spoke to her sister, Bianca Jolie, last week. She said, no, we're not doing the doubles. And then uh, that obviously changed because they are entered. And I think, hey, on the one hand, great opportunity for her younger sister to get out there in front of the Canadian fans and have that moment. Uh, the two of them love playing doubles together, as Leila Annie's told us many times before. Uh, but I also just kind of question why coming back in your first tournament from that fractured foot, and play, you know, extra duty out there in singles and doubles. Um, to me, it seems <clears throat> a little bit rushed. Um, I understand it's the home tournament, the Canadian tournament. You want to be out there. But um, I don't know. We've seen what, what can happen sometimes when our younger players try for too much too soon. And, uh, I mean, knock on wood, obviously, hoping everything works out great. Um, and, and you know, love to see them play doubles together. But uh, I don't know. It just strikes me as a little bit ambitious, perhaps. <laughs> it's certainly ambitious i suppose Layla and uh, bianca jolie are the ambitious uh kind of girls so they will be playing doubles together and Layla was alongside Iga biontech for the draw ceremony at the cn tower friday night Iga, of course the number one seed the world number one by <laughs> quite a distance if you look at the points and that of course is well deserved when we talk about her season uh second french open title six titles the 37 match winning streak she has to be the favorite right I mean, she's got double the points of the number two in the rankings in that Contavite. So I, uh, to me right there, if you're going to pick a favorite, mind you, went out third round at Wimbledon, had another loss recently, sooner than expected on hard courts too. So if there is a, a chink in the armor, you know, a, a crack in there somewhere, perhaps it's right now. Uh, I think after Iga though, when you look at the draw, I can't pick like a second player that I'd say, yep, that's the number two in line. I mean, it is, wide open to me when i i can't pick someone as a as a number two option it, it's very difficult i would say yeah i don't even know where to start coco right. goff has been playing well uh <laughs> coco goff has been playing well but uh this would be I, I mean it's incredibly difficult to win a wta 1000 and she'll have to navigate a lot of tough players uh we haven't seen consistent form from Zachary or bedosa lately we know muguruza has been slumping Rabakina won Wimbledon. She has a brutal first round. Ons Jabur has been playing great. I would say Ons is definitely in the mix as a contender. There's there's a lot of names. And then you look at who they're facing first round. Even even Simona Halep, we know she plays great in Canada. She's won twice here. And she has to deal with uh, Donna Vekic in the first round. But uh, I, I like her attitude and her poise right now. I thought she played really well at the All England Club too. I, I think she could maybe make a run as well. Uh, Simona Halep, you mean? Yes, Halep. Yeah, and boy, she was hitting hard in practice today. Her and uh, Elise Cornet, Elisa Cornet, were having 
a real uh, tough practice set out there in terms of just the intensity that they both both brought. I've always been impressed with Simona Halep in practice, and and this is why she's got a couple of Grand Slams to her name because she's going to go in and practice that way. Um, one other player that uh, let's toss this name out there because she is in a sense the defending champion from the mm-hmm. last time the women's event was here in Toronto, and that's Bianca Andrescu who um, I don't think I'm letting the cat out of the bag when I say we got to speak with her today. And so uh, hang on, that will be forthcoming at some point uh, for our listeners. Um, But she's uh, ready to go. And despite the back injury sustained last week in San Jose, uh, I got all the vibes and impressed general press. And when we spoke to her today, that she's feeling good and the doctors have given the thumbs up and she's going to go out there Tuesday night and, and give it her all. Yeah, I, I got incredibly positive vibes. Only positive vibes uh, from our conversation, which you'll get to hear uh, this week at some point. And and just throughout her press, uh, we spoke to her for social content as well. She was in a great mood, which uh, I, I think she really kind of quickly flipped the script on what, what happened um, the previous week, uh, losing to Shelby Rogers, where the back acted up. She seems like she's in a great place mentally. She, sh- she says she's feeling well physically. Very tough first round, I will say. Uh, Daria Kasukina, that's a rematch, actually. They played here three years ago, uh, which was a three-set victory for Bianca. And they played recently on the grass as well, where uh, BB won. So, uh, But she, she's looking confident. I watched a, a little bit of her practice on center court just behind me, and, and she looks like uh, the BB of old, I would say. Yeah, and isn't it nice when you get to talk to a player that you've got such a good rapport with, as mm-hmm. as we do, admittedly, with uh, with Bianca over all the years? You know, we get some of these shorter interviews, obviously, during a tournament like this, because the players uh, are in such great demand. So you might get five, seven minutes with a player. It's hard to build that rapport with a player you've never talked to before and, and, yes. and really ease their comfort level to get into things. Whereas with Bianca, we sit down and it's like, oh, hey, you know, long time no see, good to see you again. And you kind of pick up with them from wherever you left off. Um, and so that was great to see with Bianca. But yeah, I would say um, such positive energy radiating from her today uh, in press. And um, and against Kasakina, I mean, when they played on grass recently, uh, Bianca kind of rolled her. I mean, it was a pretty yeah. straightforward scoreline there, different surface, albeit. Uh, Kasakina also just uh, won the event in, in San Jose, 6-7, uh, 6-1, 6-2 against Shelby Rogers, who we just mentioned earlier. Yeah. Wonder if she's going to be coming in a little bit tired. Wonder That's if true. she might, you know, you sometimes see players, you know, so who knows by the time our episode's out Monday morning, maybe there's already been a decision. Ah, I don't know if I'm going to push it and, and come to Canada. So uh, at the very least, you know, if she does show up, hopefully feeling a little bit of that fatigue for Bianca. Um, aside from that back hiccup, let's call it for now last week yeah. uh, for Bianca. I've been getting the vibe that she's just been kind of getting stronger as she goes along each tournament. And I I feel like there's going to be a breakout at some point, you know, she's too good not to have a tournament where suddenly she makes semis or finals. I mean, she made the finals in in grass there, right? That's right. Yeah. You know, let's not forget that, but hardcourt is, you know, her bag. And uh, we think of Indian Wells, you know, winning it once finals, once Rogers cup or now national bank open, of course, um, I'm not saying it's going to happen here, but I do feel it's it's in the cards at some point for Bianca. No, I, I completely agree. And I, I think if you look at her matches through this season, even in her return when she first uh, got back in Stuttgart and has played a handful of re- tournaments, even with a few early losses, for me, she hasn't had like a bad loss. 
if that makes sense. I, I mean, la okay, last week, the back issue at, at Silicon Valley Classic, but Wimbledon, she loses to Rybakina, who played a great match, goes on to win to win Wimbledon. Uh, another loss, I, I mean, finals, bad Hamburg Open. That was a match maybe she even could have won. I think she had an opportunity the third set. French Open, she loses to gold medalist Belinda Bencic. I mean, this is, of course, when you're making a return from that long layoff too, unfortunately her ranking did suffer. So she's not having any protection of holding a seed yet at these tournaments. I have no doubt in my mind she can return to, of course, being a seeded player, being top 20, top 10, and so on. I, I believe that for her. You, you just watch uh, her quality on the court and what she can produce when she's playing her best. And the winner of this match gets the winner of the all-French uh, matchup between Elise yeah. Cornet and Caroline uh, Garcia. Look, neither one is an easy player to to face, but in terms of looking around this draw, that's as good as you're probably going to get. So uh, we'll see what happens one match at a time. Of course, we'll keep you posted all week. We're going to be following Bianca's matches, Layla's matches, hopefully getting to speak with them, you know, a couple more times throughout the tournament. Um, you know, not to mention, Ben, that we're, you know, hopefully going to be talking with, and we kind of know we will be, Plenty of top players um, in this draw throughout the week and uh, sharing some of that audio this week, saving a little bit of it for later this summer and whatnot. But uh, it's a big week for us and we're both pretty busy if we just talk about like what responsibilities we have aside from just Matchpoint Canada. You've been getting so much work in with Nick McCarvel, um, also doing a lot of work for Tennis Canada, if you want to just kind of share that for a moment. Yeah, uh, please uh, tune into the work if you can, because uh, I've been working alongside Nick McCarvel. We're, we're doing a lot of social content. We also have a morning show brought to you by Nespresso, which drops on YouTube. So you go to the Tennis Canada YouTube page. We have two episodes out already previewing the action. It's also up on Facebook. You can find it on my Twitter. Um, so we've been tracking all the action uh through that show just sort of what's going on around the grounds um you know popcorn matches to watch which of course you and i will talk about as well but it's been a very busy weekend because you know with media day saturday and sunday you kind of speak to everybody you can and uh it it rolls along really really quickly yeah and uh, i'm finding aside from our podcast responsibilities uh i'm also doing some daily writing for tennis canada mm -hmm. which is up again on their website and they're circulating it on social and getting back into the writer vibe which has been a while for me uh, on top of all the work that we're doing with the podcast but it's uh you know we're living the dream like what else would you rather be doing at the home tournament of tennis in your country the pinnacle of tennis in your country there's nothing else i'd rather be doing out there than than this and so really looking forward to this week hope you guys you know, tune in and, and check out our daily podcasts and our, our social media content uh, on Instagram as well at Matchpoint Canada. And, you know, Ben's on Twitter at Ben Lewis, SN590. I'm on Twitter at McIntyre Tennis. Give us a follow if you haven't already, because we're churning out a lot of the fun stuff, a lot of the behind the scenes stuff as mm. well uh, that tennis fans, you know, tennis fanatics really like to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll be back again with day two uh, of our podcast. You've been listening to Matchpoint Canada. Our thanks again to Hotel X, the official hotel of Matchpoint Canada. Guys, we will talk to you next time.